You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. Hallelujah. Be seated. Be seated. If you have your Bible, I want to just preach to you this morning out of Hebrews chapter 12. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12 this morning. Let's give Brother Caleb a clap offering and thank God for his willingness to lead us in worship. Amen? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 15. I'm talking this morning about overcoming the root of bitterness. Someone say bitterness. You know many people in our society today are plagued by bitterness. They're troubled. They're sick. They're overcome. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're emotionally distraught. You know, many of the sicknesses that people have in their bodies has to do, thank you, Brother Caleb, has to do with the fact that people have emotions in their life that they have not overcome. And I want to say this real quickly. If you have a need of a healing in your life, that healing will come the moment that God delivers you from stress. Stress is not something that God intended for us to have. Stress is not something that was part of original creation. Stress is a result of your mind not being renewed to the promises of God. Can I get an amen? So if you need healing in your body, I'm going to pray for people this morning who are overcome by stress and bitterness. And I'm going to pray that God's power lifts off you. You know, a lot of times cancer is a result of stress. Things that have digestive problems is a result of stress. And so this morning, God's going to deliver you. And one of the things that creates the most stress in our lives is bitterness. It says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. You're telling me that it's possible, pastor, that I could fail of the grace of God? You're telling me that after all that Jesus has done for me, it's possible for me to come short of that? And the answer is, that's what the Bible says. How is that possible? Notice, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and as a result, many be defiled. Then let's go to Luke chapter 17 and verse number 1. Let's see what Jesus had to say about it. Are you with me? Then he said to his disciples, Luke 17 and verse 1. Then he said to his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. In other words, you're not going to live your life without being offended. How many people here this morning can say, Pastor, somebody has offended me since 2015 has began raise your hand how many people can say pastor somebody has offended me since last month began raise your hand how many say pastor someone has offended me since last week began go ahead raise your hand oh how many people can say pastor someone has offended me since my alarm clock went off this morning raise your hand you better not raise your hand because I'm gonna know who you're with you either with me or with your spouse <laughs> which one was it <laughs> But it says that offenses will come. And it says, but woe unto him through whom they come. Oh, so here's what Jesus is talking about. You're going to get offended, but don't become the offender. And then it says here, it were better that a millstone were hanged about his neck and cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. That's some intense language that Jesus is talking about. He's basically saying it is, it is so imperative, so important that you understand what I'm saying. 
It would be better for you to have a stone put around your neck and thrown into the ocean than for you to live your life as somebody that causes offenses. You know people that are like that. Everywhere they go, they open their mouth and are offending people. Do you know people that way? Some people can't help but be in that way, so they take pride in being that way. Do you know these people? You see them on Fox News and CNN all the time. Can I get amen? All right. Jesus said, take heed to yourself. Someone say, take heed. This is literally the word, get a grip. Look at a neighbor and slap him and say, neighbor, it's time to get you a grip. Slap him across the face. Pour some water on him. Give him a tic-tac. Say, get a grip on your breath. Amen. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. And if he trespasses against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day, turn again, say, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Now, a lot of people don't like it when you tell them you've got to forgive your enemies. You tell somebody, that person that offended you, you're going to have to forgive them if they come to you asking for forgiveness. A lot of people say, oh, I don't want to do that. Anything but that. You mean I can't, you mean I, I can't push them down the stairs, Lord? You mean I, you're telling me I, I can't break a bottle over their head, God? And don't look at me like you've never had those thoughts. <laughs> at least I got one true person here. You mean, Lord, I can't push them into the oncoming traffic? No. Jesus said, forgive them. And notice what the disciples said. Lord, increase our faith. In other words, <laughs> God, you can't expect us to do that. I mean, anything but that, Lord. I mean, just put the mills around my neck and throw me off the boat and sink me to the bottom of the ocean. But don't ask me to forgive people. Y'all looking at me funny this morning. Like, it's my little boutonniere. It's one of those things that sprays water in your face. You come up close, I just squirts at you. I like this. I don't care what you think. I like it. Amen. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith as the grain of a mustard seed. In other words, it doesn't take a lot of faith. You know, a lot of times people go around, God, give me more faith. Give me more faith. Give me more faith. I need more faith. I can't forgive. I need more faith. I can't forgive, God. I need more faith. And Jesus said, no, 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 listen. It doesn't take a lot of faith. People try and look into this word mustard seed. What does this mean? A mustard seed. What's that? What does the mustard seed mean? Let's look into the word mustard seed. And, find, and Jesus is just trying to find the smallest thing they could think about to illustrate to the fact that it doesn't take much. What well, doesn't take much faith? Jesus said to them, You might say to this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked into the sea, and it should obey you. Ooh. A lot of times people think that this verse is talking about the power of our words and faith, but this has nothing to do with faith. This has everything to do with you knowing how to forgive people so that root of bitterness in your life can come out and be destroyed so you won't live your life as an offender. Can someone say amen this morning? Ooh, getting good. I just ready to put it in gear number two? All right, go with me to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 31. It's in the New Testament. Amen. You look, someone looking up Ephesians in the Old Testament, you know they don't read their Bibles much. Ephesians 4 and 31. Get rid. Someone say, get rid. This word, get rid, is interesting. This means to pack up a boat with cargo so full and, uh, you know, you see a barge in the ocean, you see all of those big, giant, steel, what 
freight carriers on it. You ever see that before? You look at a barge and you say, they have packed this thing so big and they have put all they could possibly put on this barge and after they pack the barge up, they send it away across the ocean. That's carrying your blue jeans and carrying all the fancy purses that you women take. Amen. It came from somewhere. I put this coat on yesterday. It said, made in Vietnam. I said, wow, this coat was in Vietnam. It had to get here somehow. Someone put it on a boat and send it over here. Amen. This means to pack it up and to put it on a boat. And what the Apostle Paul is saying, take all of your bitterness, put it in a box. Take all of your rage, take all of your anger, take all of your harsh words. Oh, some of you don't like that one. Some of you love being sarcastic. Amen. Take all of your slander and all of your evil behavior. Find it all. Take, take it all. Pack it up really, really nice. Put it on a barge, put it on a boat, and send it sailing down the waters and bid farewell to it and say goodbye bitterness, goodbye anger, goodbye harsh words, goodbye sarcasm, goodbye once and for all. Renounce it and get it out of your life. Can I get an amen? But you say, well, that's easier said than done. No, 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 no. A lot of you don't want to pack it up. You say, I'll pack up the harsh words, but I'm keeping the bitterness. I'm going to pass up the offense, but I'm keeping the bad words. No, 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 God, I can't, I can't give it all up. And Jesus is saying, if you don't give it up, there's consequences that will come into your life that will make you wish that you could be cast into the bottom of the sea. If you hold on to bitterness in your life, you're going to get to the place in your life where you wish that you had died. You say, Pastor, why? What's so wrong with bitterness? I like being, you know, some people like being bitter until the bitterness starts to kill them. And they don't know the bitterness is killing them. They don't identify it as the bitterness killing them, but the bitterness is what's causing the sickness. Hello, somebody. The Greek word for bitterness is an interesting word. And Sister Judy, it's so good to see you. God bless you. I thought you fell off the earth. I'm just teasing. That's true. <laughs> that could very well be the reason. No, the word there, bitterness, means sharp. It means pointed. It means something that is very, very deadly. This was the Greek word that was used for arrows. And when you think about what an arrow is, it is something that has been crafted and designed to penetrate and to kill. And not only has it been designed to kill, in order to kill, you have to take an arrow and you have to point it at somebody and aim it precisely. Brett knows this. He's a hunter. Amen. You want to know about arrows, go ask Brett. Because he'll go out into the woods. He goes, do you have sharp arrows every season? Are they in your quiver? And you take those sharp arrows out and you know if you can put it right between a deer, you can destroy it. You bring home dinner for Emily. Amen. You know, the rule at their house is if he kills it, he's got to cook it. Amen. I don't mind you hunting, but you ain't bringing that deer carcass in this house, Brett. Amen. <laughs> Not only is it the word for pointed, the word there, bitter, also means something that is sour. It means something that is lacks in pleasantness and it lacks in sweetness. It means something if it lacks, if you go and you drink water and that water doesn't taste good, it tastes sour and it tastes bitter. You drink it, oh man, this water's bad. It's like when I go overseas, you know, they give you a glass of water. You say, where'd this come from? Come from the bottle? Or just come from the tap? Because it came from the tap. You know, I'm going to just have to catch some rain in my hat. You know, I ain't drinking this. 
you drink it, mmm, it's tainted. Something's in it. So when a person is bitter, what it is saying is that something is inside of them that is not pure. And when you get around them, it causes them to be unpleasant and it causes them to be bitter. It causes them to be ugly. And when you leave them, they have left in your mouth a foul taste. You ever been around somebody that feels like when you hang out with them, they've thrown up and puked on you? You walk away, you feel like you've been slimed. Man, I've been, well, well, I don't know, is it something I ate? No, 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 it's not something you ate. You were around a defiled person. And the reason why they defiled you is because something inside of them has defiled them and the words that came out of their mouth were what slimed you. That's how you know you're a spiritual person. I better look at the relationships that you have. The people that you feel like you just climbed up out of a mud pit when you went to the mall with them, those are the relationships you need to think about cutting off completely in your life. Y'all looking at me like, what time is lunch, Pastor? Is lunch yet? Yeah, we're going to have lunch. I don't care. I don't care. I like them. I'm going to keep them. No, 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 no. Bitterness comes in people's life for different reasons. Number one, I just have a half hour. Let me just go through this quickly. Number one, people are bitter because they've experienced hardships in their life. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 10 calls them calamities. These are people that in their life, they have not got a fair hand. I've met a lot of people in the ministry that are bitter because they don't have everything that was given to other people. I've met a lot of people in business who are mad because they had to climb up and they weren't afforded the ability of being the son of a wealthy businessman or who could get him a job and they've gotten bitter and you can see it in everything that they do. I speak to ministry people all the time and I say, listen, I told this to a group of young people I was preaching to in Texas. I said, at the end of the next five years, the only way that you're going to survive ministry is to keep from being bitter. Because when a person's bitter, especially a minister and a preacher, you can hear it in their preaching, you can read it in their Facebook posts, you can see it in everything that they do that is coming out. And usually it's because they've had necessities that other people in their life have not had to experience. You know that. You look at people that are successful today and you try and find out reasons why you're not as successful as they are. And a lot of times you boil it down that they got a hand that you didn't get dealt and you get upset about it. And you don't realize it, but that thing in your life, if you don't get a hold of it, it's going to destroy you. Number two, offenses. We just talked about these. These is when people perceive that somebody has treated them unfairly. Number three, disappointment. That means where you had your hopes and expectations set on the man of God. I'm going to marry him and they married somebody else. Someone say amen. Oh, I was supposed to be my husband and the devil took him from me. You were expecting that something was going to happen and it didn't happen. And we looked at Brent and said, I got my man of God. Amen. <laughs> number three, we talked about this. Number four, jealousy. You see something that somebody else had, and even though they worked hard and had to suffer to get it, you want it and don't want them to have it. So you get bitter. And number five, neglect. Now, this is a big one. Now, watch this. Do you know that there are a lot of people that are bitter because they have been neglected, especially in marital situations? Many spouses are bitter at their other spouse because their spouse neglected to fulfill their duties. The Bible calls it being defrauded. 
Do you know that when you don't fulfill your duty as a woman or you as a man don't fulfill your duty from everything that has to do with emotionally to intellectually to sexually to what the Bible says for you to do. Listen, if you if you don't do what God has told you to do as a spouse, your, other, your spouse is going to resent you. They will get bitter and they will act out in that bitterness and many of the affairs that have happened inside of relationships has been the result of bitterness inside of a person. And that bitterness came in them because you defrauded your spouse of something. Hello, people. Hello, are you here this morning? That's the reason why. And the Bible says that when the bitterness takes root in your life, develops in your life, it is what the Bible calls a root. Why did they call it a root? Why didn't Jesus call it a cloud, the bitter cloud of bitterness? Why didn't Jesus call it the chair of bitterness? Why didn't he call it the microphone of bitterness? Probably because they didn't have them back then. Amen. Why did he call it the root of bitterness? This word root is something in the Greek that is talking about a thing that has deep, 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 deep roots. And if you think about a root, a root is a point of origin. A root is where something begins in your life. A lot of the trouble that causes you the misery has to go back to something. And that goes back to the root system that you have inside of your heart. And the Bible says that when people do not get a grip, when they're offended, you're going to develop in your heart a root of bitterness. And you will see the world through the way that your root system is developed. Can I get an amen somebody this morning? It's a root system. It's established and it's firmly fixed into your life. And the Bible says that this root system establishes in your life evil. Jesus compared the root system to a tree. And not only did he compare it to a tree, Jesus compared it to a sycamine tree. Why did Jesus compare bitterness to a sycamine tree look what it says go back to Luke Matthew excuse me Luke chapter 17 are y'all here are you here with me this morning I don't apologize for preaching it the way it needs to be preached I want you to learn something I want you to be healed I want you to be delivered I want you to be set free I want you to take the healing that Jesus has given you and hold on to it and one of the ways you hold on to it is to guard your heart Jesus said in scripture that you might say unto this sycamine tree why did Jesus call bitterness a sycamine tree? Why did he call the root system? Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. It wasn't just by coincidence. The sycamine tree was one of the most prevalent trees in the Middle East. And it was very popular and known for having the largest and most complex root system in all the trees. If you wanted to dig up a sycamine tree, it was going to take you a long time because you were going to have to dig down deep to get it. And because it had such a deep root structure, it could exist in the Middle East simply for the fact that its roots were down deep and nothing, no hot sun, no hot weather could wither the sycamine tree. And that's how bitterness is in a person's life. 
When you have bitterness in your life, that root system is so deep that it doesn't matter the conditions, that thing is going to continue to grow. And even many times in spirit-filled services where the power of God is moving, people will hold on to that and they'll walk out having had a good time, but at the same time, just as bitter than before. Can I get an amen this morning? Not only this, but the sycamine tree was a tree that grew extremely quick and actually the drier the conditions, the quicker the tree grew. And when you think about bitterness in your life, you will discover that when a person is bitter, watch this now, when a home is bitter, when a church is bitter, you experience dryness. No presence of God. You go into a church where the people are mad and fighting at each other. And basically, the leadership cannot get along. People don't show up because they're mad at the pastor. People would rather be in the world. They don't value church. They don't value coming. They want to dip in and dip out. They don't value their no commitment in their heart. And they're all angry at each other. They don't want to come to church because they don't like the people that are here. It's because they're bitter. And in those churches, there's no presence. There's no power. It's entertainment on the stage. And it's just a good word and go home. And inside of homes when people are bitter, husbands don't want to come home to their wives because it's a war zone. Women, they don't want their husbands to come home because it'll turn into a fight. They want them to stay at work. Or when the husband comes home, they mysteriously have a headache and have to tuck themselves in bed for the night. It's because when there's bitterness, things are dry. This is good teaching, people. And not only is it, you'll discover the sycamine tree looked much like the fig tree. As a matter of fact, there would be people that would go to the sycamine tree and they would pull off fruit and they would take a bite of it only to discover the fruit was bitter and didn't taste as sweet as the figs. And a sycamine tree had bitter tasting fruit. And when you have bitterness in your life, everything that comes off of you is going to taste bitter. Have you ever been around a bitter person? You get next to them, you think that they look like a nice person. You get around them and they start talking the way they talk and you realize this person, this person is bitter. Not only that, the only way that a sycamine tree could reproduce itself, it was that it was not naturally pollinated. A sycamine tree, in order for it to be pollinated, had to be stung by a wasp. Wasps would come and stick their stingers inside the sycamine tree's fruit and their stingers would cause the fruit to grow. And when you find somebody that's bitter, one thing they will always say to you is, I don't know about them, they stung me before. How many have ever heard someone say, I'm not getting into another relationship the last time I was stung? No, don't, I'm, not, I'm not being around them, I'm not going to lunch with them, they stung me. Now, every time I get around, they, stu they stung, they stung. When someone keeps saying stung, 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 do you know what they're saying? I'm bitter against them. And the worst part about it all, a sycamine tree's wood was used for making caskets. That means that bitterness is casket material after you've been stung and have produced enough bitter fruit in your life, bitterness will take you to the grave.
and you have left behind nothing but bitter fruit. And the Apostle Paul said it is so important to get rid of bitterness in your life. Go back to Hebrews chapter 12. Let's see why. Because if you don't look after your heart, Jesus said, look after, look after, look after, look after, look after. Someone say, look after. Look after, say look after, look after, look after, look after, look after your heart. Keep it with all diligence so the root of bitterness does not spring up. Spring up means that from out of your heart, a little tiny stalk begins to grow. You know, I remember I went on a trip one time to South Africa. Two weeks I left my pepper plant. I didn't think there was any hope for my pepper plant. But when I came back, there were so many peppers. I couldn't keep up with it. I had to keep throwing them away. I didn't have anywhere to eat them. I couldn't order pizzas fast enough to put them on. You know, there's a real feeling of accomplishment when you're eating pizza with the peppers that you've grown on top of it. Makes you want to keep eating more. I had to start throwing them away, throwing them to the birds. Couldn't eat them enough. But they were sprouting. Now, when, now watch this now. When you allow bitterness into your life, and it springs up. The Bible says that bitterness is going to trouble you. The word there, trouble, means that it's going to trip you up. You're holding on to this. Why? It's troubling you. That's why you're so dysfunctional in relationships. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to your neighbor. Amen. That's why you're so dysfunctional in relationships. That's why you get to the eight-month period in every relationship and it fails. That's why you always break it off with good guys and pick bad guys. That's why you always pick bad girls and not good girls. That's why you don't have the discernment to pick somebody. Because you're dysfunctional because you've been defiled by a root of bitterness and it's tripping you up. And the Bible says, the Bible says that when you have been not keeping a hold of your heart, the root of bitterness grows and trips you up and it defiles you it starts to defile you someone say defilement do you know what defilement means defilement means to make a person unclean it means that at one point you were spotless I remember one time I'm gonna use a crude example I was just watching TV minding my own business I just gotten out of the showers about six years old and I had little stickers that came with my kids gym shoes and I love these stickers and I used to take them to school with me and I used to play with them and I was watching TV and my brother was on the couch and he was sick my mom remembers this and I didn't know that he was sitting above me and he turned over and he threw up on my head and all over my stickers and I begged my mom and I said, Mom, let me take my stickers to school. And she said, Son, your stickers have been defiled. And when you get around people that are full of bitterness and they're full of wrath and they're full of anger, these people are certain to throw up on you. And let me tell you something. When they throw up on you, guess what? You become the defiler 
How would you feel if you were... Now you say, well, I keep my heart. I guard my heart. I keep it. I guard it. I mean, everything's okay. But all of a sudden, you get around somebody who's been defiled. It doesn't matter how much you keep your heart. That person is going to wear a hole into it until you become dirty. Caleb, you guys can come. Until you become dirty. Can I get an amen? Caleb, you there? <laughs> Caleb. Let me show you an example. We have Brother Caleb and we have, we have, here comes Caleb. Oh, here comes a bitter man walking into church over here. He's bitter. Oh, here comes another bitter. It's a bitter woman. And here they are walking into church. Now watch. This is what bitter people are like. You have a bitter man, Caleb. I don't know where he's at, but every time you talk to Caleb, you discover that Sally's an idiot. What? Hold it up. And Al, well, if we all know Al, Al is a liar. Now, I hope nobody's named Al and Sally. It's not personal. And then all of a sudden, we have a bitter woman over here. And oh, she doesn't like her boss. She thinks her boss is a fool. Do you know people that talk like that? And then, oh, oh and Joe, Joe happens to be a hypocrite. Do you know people that always talk about people like this? So you know what starts to happen? If you cannot recognize these people in your life, you'll start hanging out with them. And you start talking to them. And do you know what happens? All of a sudden, even though you were pure in heart, their bitterness transfers over to you. And guess what? Their trash becomes your trash. Their trash starts piling up at your feet. And guess what happens? They start defiling you. And you start to smell the way they smell. Defiled with their defilement. Okay, thanks. I'm, I'm not an orca whale. Okay, you can leave me alone. I'm not free willy. Okay, you can. Now watch. Then all of a sudden, the bitter man turns you into a bitter man. Thank you. You can be seated. Now look at this. What happened? I got all their garbage and I smell the way they smell. So guess what? What am I going to do? I'm going to find... Moses, come on up. I come to church. And I say, Moses, how you doing, man? Like those glasses, God bless you, man. Hey, man. Um, yeah, yeah, this church was good. But, you know, Al's a liar. And, uh, well, you know, uh, Joe, he's a hypocrite. And, uh, well, you know, Sally, she's an idiot. And, and you know what? You know your boss, well, he's a fool. So Moses is sitting there, and he's thinking... What's going on? And before you know, don't worry, it's just bleach, it won't hurt. Just eat it. No, it's just his water. Just ammonia, don't worry. And the next thing you know, Moses has been defiled. Moses, there you are. Moses can't pray. Moses can't intercede. Moses is a defiled man. And the next thing you know, Brett! Brother Brett! Here comes Brett! And all of a sudden, Brett, the boss is a fool. No, 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 no. And then the next thing you know, Brett, defile him. Brett's defiled. Then Brett gets it. Now, wait a second. Do you know what starts to happen? The whole church before you know it. The whole family. Everybody has become defiled. Come on, give him a round of applause. Amen, somebody. You can move these out the way. They're balloons. If you want a balloon after service, we'll give you a balloon for being good sports. Amen. Thank you, Brother Moses. The Bible says it will defile you. 
So when people say, where did the root of bitterness come from? This is where it came from. Hanging out with bitter people. Y'all like that illustration? I didn't have to go online and get that one. That was Holy Ghost inspired. Amen. Now, how do you get rid of it? How do you get rid of it? With the 15 minutes left, I want to talk to you about how you get rid of defilement. Jesus said, let's go back to Luke chapter 17. The Bible says, lest any root of bitterness come into your life and defile you. I'm telling you now, if you don't do what Jesus said, you're going to die. It will kill you. How many people do you think have died because of sicknesses and diseases that were related to bitterness? You are not doing yourself a favor by holding on to it. Listen, I'm a pastor. I have been angered and upset by people, even in the ministry. And I've held on to it. And I can tell you the greatest moments of freedom in my life is when I let the thing go. Jesus said, first of all, the Bible says, looking diligently unto your soul. The word here, diligently, is the word bishop. Do you know what a bishop is? It is an overseer. A bishop is somebody that looks after churches. And when you are given control of your heart, your responsibility is to continually, look up here, look up here, is to continually look after your heart. Look after it. Make sure nothing, nothing, nothing gets in your heart. Don't wait until Christmas time comes to send your good wishes and well greetings to people and make amends. Make amends now. You don't know the last time you're going to see that person. You don't know the last time. You don't know when they're going to go be with Jesus. Get it right now. Before you go to bed, the Bible says, don't let the anger sun go down on your anger. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't go to bed while, the time, while it's dark. That simply means deal with your anger now. Deal with it quickly. Deal with your anger when you have a chance to deal with your anger. Don't let the sun go down. Deal with it immediately. Get that out of your life or you're going to wish you were at the bottom of an ocean. Whew. Get it out. Get it out. That's why you can't worship. That's why you can't pray. That's why you're distracted when you read the Bible. That's why you're rebellious towards your pastor. That's why. That's why. That's why. Get it out. Kick it out of your life. That's why you can't receive healing. That's why the Holy Ghost can't speak to you. That's why prophecy is dried up in your life. It's because you have not allowed the bitterness to go. That's why you can't go tell people about Jesus. That's why your words don't have power behind them. Because you got bitterness in your life. Kick it out. You don't have room for that garbage. But they didn't, they didn't tell me. Forget all that stuff. Go up to them. Say you're sorry. And if they ask for forgiveness, forgive them. Then it says, Luke 17, 3, get a grip on yourself. It's interesting. Jesus says, get a grip on yourself. Because when you're bitter, you usually want to get a grip on somebody else. I can't wait to find that person. If they come into this restaurant where I work, I'm going to spit in their food. You tell me what restaurant you work at. I ain't coming either. <laughs> but then Jesus said something extremely interesting. Whoever says to the sycamine tree, says to the sycamine tree, see, when you speak, this word say, the context literally implies authoritative speech. Doesn't mean, Mr. Sycamine Tree, hi, yeah, I heard a lot about you. 
Jesus said, uh, to tell you, yeah, you kind of have to go. It's like, you know, can you, you know why they pick big bouncers instead of small bouncers? You ever see bouncers and, you know, I know you've never been in the club, but, you know, TV shows about the club. You ever see the bouncers? Are they, are they my size? Can you imagine me going, I want to be a bouncer. <laughs> you know why? Can you imagine if I was a bouncer? Uh, excuse me, Mr. Six foot seven guy, you're going to have to go. No, the bouncers come up and say, go. Jesus was talking. You have to talk authoritatively to this. Speak to the bitterness in your life. Look at that sycamine tree who can put you into the ground. Look at it and say, sycamine tree, go! It's not about having more faith. It's about getting a grip on yourself and making a decision. You're not living with that bitterness anymore. You don't need another sermon. You don't need pastor. You don't need another conference. You don't need a church that has all the latest and the greatest gadgets. You don't need a pastor that dresses like Mr. Rogers. All you need is to make a decision in your life to say it stops today. I'm letting this thing go. You don't need goosebumps up and down your spine. You don't need the support of a Bible study. You don't need to call your sister in Asia who knows how to pray heaven down. You just need to say, enough is enough. And when you say enough is enough, you look at the sycamine tree and you say, sycamine tree, go into the sea. Be cast into the sea and go. When you release your words, you release your authority. When you speak to it, make you, you release the power of God. If you don't take control over your emotions, they'll take control of you. If you don't take control over your bitterness, it will take control of you. If you don't, ah, if you don't start speaking to your bitterness, it will start speaking through you. Oh, this is good. Jesus said, not only do that, look at the sycamine tree and say, be cast into the sea. It's interesting that Jesus, <laughs> it's interesting that Jesus started this passage by saying that you be cast into the sea. And then he says, but instead of you being cast in the sea, cast the sycamine tree into the sea. You're either going to be the one that goes in or the bitterness is going to be the one that goes in. The sea was the place where people believed in that time that demon spirits existed. It was an abyss, a place of torment, and nothing grew in the sea. And the reason Jesus was saying to cast your bitterness into the sea is because if it went into the sea, the salt water would keep it from growing. When you cast it into the sea, it's a way of saying, I'm gotten rid of this forever and it is never going to grow again in my life. And the question is today, are you willing to speak to your bitterness? Are you willing to look at it, to get a grip on yourself, to make a decision that this is going to be cast into the sea and never grow again in your life? Or are you going to let it grow? And if you do, you'll wish that was you. I want God's power. I want to walk up to somebody and say, listen, man, let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Let me, God, let me, I want confidence. The Bible says that your faith works by confidence. You got to have confidence. Brother K, can you come? You got to have confidence when you pray for the sick. You have to have confidence when you get up to preach. You have to have confidence to have the power of the Holy Ghost. You have to have confidence. When God says, go pray for that person and, and, and prophesy over them. You're in Kroger's in the cheese section. 
No, I don't eat cheese. What are you in the cereal section? Well, I don't eat cereal. You're in the fruit section. Well, I don't eat groceries. Well, you got to get in your oil change. I don't have a car. Wherever you're at. God said, go, go tell that person. I remember one time I was with an individual. We were walking into the mall. I was on a date. I was in college. On a date. In college. I didn't get many of those in college. The girl said, she, my friends told me, they said, better be careful taking her out. She got a prophetic gift. She'll read everything about you. I said, well, yeah, I ain't got nothing to hide. She walked, we were walking, we were walking down the, in, in the Mall of America. She said, one moment, she left. And I see just walk up to this girl and she starts talking to a stranger. The girl starts crying. I'm like, wow, what did she tell her? I said, what did you tell her? She said, she was suicidal. I just, the Lord told me she was suicidal. I went and told her she was suicidal. God touched her. God's power is real. I want to see you operate in that. I want to see you somewhere. But you cannot hear the voice of God when the voice of bitterness is always speaking to you. When bitterness, you say, why can't I hear God? He just don't talk to me. He don't talk, he don't talk to me. God don't talk to me. He talks to everybody in church, but he don't talk to me. He doesn't talk to you because he, you can't hear him. Because bitterness is always saying and plotting the next course of revenge. Speak to it. Get it out of your life. Stand to your feet this morning. No bitterness. Someone say no bitterness. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly, so make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to the light of today with Chris Palmer.